Welcome back to another sermon from Cross Life here in the Gospel of John. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verse 9. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. And as always, I would encourage you to find um, a pen and paper and take some notes as you listen to the sermon that you can do some reflection uh, as you listen to the sermon that you might be able to respond in prayer uh, as, as God so leads you. So I encourage you to have those things with you. And uh, this morning, I want to dive right in. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be reading verse 1 through 9. In the sermon, I'm only, I'm only going to be focusing on verse 9. But for the sake of being able to see the whole flow of thought leading up to it, we're going to read the first nine verses all together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Let me pray before we begin. Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you so much that though I am just a human vessel who is in so much in need of your grace, that I can lay confidence on the fact that this morning we are looking at your word, and that together we as your people are being sanctified in and through it by the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray, God, that my words would be anointed by your spirit, I pray that you would bless our time, and I pray that every single one of us would be grasped by the amazing message that here we see in John 1.9. So to that end, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we go into this verse, I want to stop and ask you a question. Can I get your mind thinking about where we're going? If I were to ask you, to tell me, in a few words, what does it mean to be human? What is it like to live as a human being? I know that's a really abstract question, but it's a fundamental question, is it not? What does it mean for us to be human? What is it like to be human? A philosopher might say, What is the human condition? In other words, describe for me who, what we are as human beings. I know that that's a very abstract question. But nonetheless, we are confronted day in and day out by people who have claims to know how to answer that question. Day in and day out, we are confronted by messages from all kinds of people who claim to be able to answer that question for us. Politicians, religious folks, entertainers, advertisers, professors, so on and so forth. We are inundated, whether we know it or not, by people who claim to have the answer to what does it mean to be human? Because you see, every time you hear someone tell you 
you have this problem and we know how to fix it. Ultimately, they're speaking to what they think is the human condition. Every time someone tells you, whether they're a politician, an entertainer, a sales marketer, every time they tell you, I know what your problem is and I know how to fix it. What they're really saying is, I understand the human condition and I'm going to speak to it. I'm going to address it. So we are constantly, in fact, inundated by people making claims about what it means to be human. What is it like to be a human being? And I bring this up because here in one nine, even though it's a very simple sentence, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. It is loaded with claims about the human condition. John here is making enormous claims about what it means to be human. Now keep in mind, as I've said already, he's not alone in this. In fact, we are inundated by people claiming to know what the human condition is. And so the challenge this morning that we're looking at is, is John's claim true? Does John's claim stick in a way that others don't? So that's why I ask you that question this morning as we open up, even though I know it's not something that we typically wake up in the morning thinking about. Nonetheless, it confronts us every single day of our lives. What does it mean to be human? So you see, everyone who's offering to fix your problems, they're really making claims about the human condition. Let me give you a few examples. Politicians stand up and say, I will fix this. This is your problem. Poverty is a problem. Racism is a problem. Inequality is a problem. Healthcare is a problem. So on and so forth. Good government is a problem. Now, while all these things on a certain superficial level, of course, are true, and we definitely feel them, what does the politician always say? I know how to fix your problem. You see, from this perspective, the fundamental problem of human beings is that we are weak, we are vulnerable. And so we need government to take care of us. We need government to come in to swoop down and protect us. So our problem is is a human condition is that we as individuals, we're weak, we're vulnerable, we're disenfranchised, oppressed, whatever, and the government is going to come in and fix it for us. You see? Politicians are making claims about the human condition. Indeed, recently, there's been a a rising trend in in our own country about socialism. Socialists claiming they can fix our problems. What are our problems? Well, inequality, social, economic oppression, but they can fix them. Karl Marx himself said, Workers of the world unite. We have nothing to lose but our chains. A socialist would, de- would define the human condition as there are the few 
who are the oppressors, who are the greedy, who are the masters, and the many who are in chains. And so socialism will fix it. Socialism will save us. Politicians say the government will save you. Socialists say socialism will save you. Marketers say our fundamental problem is boredom. What does it mean to be human? It means to be bored, to feel dissatisfied, to feel empty. But buy our stuff and we will fix that problem. You don't have enough stuff, that's your problem. You're bored, that's your problem. Well, let me tell you what, we can fix that for you. So you see, we are constantly being inundated by people making claims about the human condition, about what it means to be human. I say all this because here in John 1.9, he equates the word of God with this metaphor as the true light. And then he says, which, which is coming into the world and enlightens every man. So there's a major assumption about the human condition that John is making here. And that assumption is this. That human beings are in darkness. That to be human means to be in darkness. This metaphor of the word of God as light coming into the world and enlightening every man makes absolutely no sense whatsoever without the assumption that, therefore, mankind currently is in darkness. You don't need light if you're in the light. If you stand out in the sun at noon and you light a candle, that candle is completely unnecessary. Who needs that candle? Because you're already in the light. And so this metaphor of the word of God as light only makes sense if you assume that the human condition as it stands is that we are in darkness. Now this has some pretty serious implications for the human condition. One, John is telling us that our fundamental problem, I'm not saying that these are not other problems or lesser problems, but our fundamental problem is not tangible, it is intangible. What I mean by that is that John would say our fundamental problem is not economic inequality. In other words, that I don't make enough money at my job. As much of a problem or as, as unequal, as unfair as that might be, that's not my fundamental problem. My fundamental problem is not that some people make a lot of money and I don't make enough for what I do. That might be a problem, but that's not my fundamental problem in life. My fundamental problem is not that I am now hear me now, my fundamental problem is not that I am oppressed. I might be a slave. I might be a woman in a country that treats me like dirt. I might be societally, economically, what have you, in a very oppressed state. But even that is not my fundamental problem. My fundamental problem is not that I am uneducated. My fundamental problem is not that I am poor. My fundamental problem is not anything 
related to my physical, tangible life. To say that our fundamental problem is that we are in darkness is to say that there's a bigger problem. Yes, these things are symptoms of that. They are problems in and of themselves, but they are symptoms of a larger problem. And John would say, using this metaphor of light and dark, the larger problem is that human beings are in darkness. Existentially, what does it mean to be human? It means to be born and to live in darkness. Now, of course, darkness itself is a very um, all-encompassing metaphor. Without a doubt, John would say that darkness is spiritual. Human beings were created to know God. This is what John would say and what he's going to say in this letter. And in the darkness, we are cut off from God. We have no access to God. We are like a planet without a sun, wandering off in the deep darkness of space with no light. We were designed to center our lives around God, and therefore, because we're in the darkness, we are spiritually dark. Our, our spiritual selves, our souls are cut off from their creator. Emotionally, we are in darkness. We live and breathe as emotional beings with all kinds of dark emotions, anger, bitterness, envy, jealousy, depression. These kinds of emotions come out of darkness. Morally, we are in darkness. We think, we want, we feel, and we do that which is wholly immoral. And don't even think that I'm talking about Adolf Hitler or some sort of, or, or Voldemort. Every human being is morally dark. We are in the darkness morally. Our cells are corrupted with evil. I think the darkness, of course, is holistic. Everything that it means to be human is in darkness. You can't bifurcate out different categories and say, oh, that's okay, but not that one. That's okay, but not that one. Everything about us is in darkness. We live, we exist in darkness. We are like men in a deep, dark cave, stumbling about with zero light, grasping, searching, looking for a way out. That's how John describes human beings. That's the only way to make sense of this metaphor here in, in verse 9. And it is a powerful metaphor. And I would say to you that the rest of this gospel will make no sense if you do not, to some degree, feel that darkness in the world around you and even in yourself. I've not yet met a person who doesn't to some degree, no matter what they believe about God, I've not yet met a person who doesn't to some degree acknowledge that there's something 
about the world and about human beings that is fundamentally wrong. And, you know, we're so, in fact, we're so used to that idea that we don't even stop to think about how absurd it is from an, from an objective point of view. Cows do not sit around thinking about how wrong their existential life is as cows. I've never met a cow that had those issues or concerns. Starfish do not sit around weighing the moral complexities of starfish existence. Nebula in the sky could care less about human existence and what it means. And so is it not bizarre that no matter what the person actually believes, one of the things we can say that is absolutely universal of the human condition is that we feel deep down that there is just something fundamentally wrong about us. It's bizarre. But I've not yet met a single person who doesn't believe that to some degree. The question is not, is there something wrong with us? The question is, how wrong is it and what do we do about it? Everyone agrees that there's a problem, but is that not strange when you think about it? That we as human beings can all agree that there's something wrong with us? And that we all can, can agree that we feel the sense that there's something wrong with the world? From, a, from an objective point of view, those kinds of thoughts are bizarre. But they are universal. And they speak to the truth that John is speaking to here. That we are in darkness and that that is what's wrong with us. That there is a problem. And so like men in a cave, we desperately search for a light. We desperately search for a way out. We desperately search for deliverance. Which is why John here calls Jesus, the word, not just the light, but the true light. Because there have been many things and continue to be many things that masquerade as our Savior, as our Deliverer, as our light. There's so many that it's impossible even to enumerate them all. Certainly, government representatives and leaders and military leaders for eons in human history have claimed that they are our Savior. The emperors, the kings, the shahs, whatever name they go by, they claim that they are our deliverer. Advertisers today, nonstop, are telling us, we know you have problems. We know you feel so unhappy or so alone or so dissatisfied. We'll fix it for you. We will save you. We will deliver you. Let us be your light. Let us make you happy. We are inundated by saviors all around us. But the question is, are any of them true? Now, it took me about 17 years before I came to the point where I realized none of those things are true. All of them are sirens beckoning me to follow 
leading me to disaster. All of the things that were promising to save me, to fix my problems, none of them could do it. Now, of course, I didn't try everything there was to try under the sun, but I tried enough to know. You get Once you kind of, you know, the saying goes, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Once you buy into a few lies, you begin to, to recognize the common patterns of these lies, of these false lights. One of them, of course, is deception. They rely on deception. Think about advertising, right? If advertisers showed, if advertisers showed you what the product was actually like that you were buying, how many of us would immediately lose interest? If advertisers showed us what the food would look like at the restaurant, in actuality, when we went there, how, much, how many times would we actually want to go buy it? Or the cars, or the jewelry? No, they sell us a deceptively edited version to woo us. There are many ploys that false lights use, and after you try a few of them, you get used to it. And just like a dog chasing his tail, you realize no matter how many times you chase these kinds of things, you're going to end up right back where you left off or even worse. But John here claims, for all of us who have been desperately looking for that light, that there is one true light. And if you step back, and you think about what a profound claim that is. I don't think anyone listening to me will deny that humankind is in darkness. We might disagree on the nature of the darkness, the degree of the darkness, or to put it another way, we might disagree on the nature of the problem or the degree of the problem. But all of us, I believe, would agree that there is a problem. Now, what if... In reality, there was no solution. What if in reality there was no true light? What if all there was was the darkness? What if death was the final answer? There was no escape. What if injustice didn't matter because there was no one who was just? What if there was no light? We human beings cannot live with that thought. I can tell you because I used to be atheists. Even atheists cannot truly live with that thought. That all there is is the darkness. All there is is the problem and that there is no solution. All there is in the end, is death and darkness, longing, pointlessness, questions with no answers, problems with no solutions. We cannot live that way. And so even atheists develop stories about hope, stories about life, stories about light. They're just as fanciful as any other stories that you hear. 
but they have to create them because otherwise they would not be able to live with themselves. But what if John is right? What if darkness isn't all that there is? What if death is not final? What if there is hope? What if for humanity there is light? John, I've already said this before and I'll say it again today. John is a mean writer. I mean that because he will not let us engage with Jesus superficially. He will not allow us to skim the pages, ho-hum, move on like we're reading a stereo manual. He constantly calls us to invest everything that we have in the story that he's telling us and the news that he's giving us about Jesus. By simply calling Jesus the true light coming into the world, enlightening every man, he is provoking us to respond in the deepest and most profoundest ways with our greatest fears and our greatest hopes. And of course, what I want to tell you is that I believe with every fiber of my being that John is telling the truth. And as you read this book, the Gospel of John, his whole goal is to simply let you see the light. That's all he does. He simply shines the light, which is the life and the teaching and the work and the person of Jesus so that we can see it. And I believe that if you read this book, if you engage with what it's saying, that you are looking at the true light. You are looking at your Savior who has come to give you what you truly need, to deliver you from your ultimate problem. The Bible says that all of this darkness, the human condition that we are in darkness is because of what the Bible calls sin. Sin is the state of being in rebellion against God. God created the universe and he created mankind. When we rebelled against him, not only do we commit acts of sin, which would be you know, acts of wickedness or acts of, you know, we might think of it very, very crassly as bad behavior or immoral behavior or just outright wickedness and evil like murder. We are in, in a very state of sin and death so that we live, we reside, we exist in this place of darkness, cut off from God, cut off from life, cut off from all that we want and need as God's people. And Jesus gives us that. Through him, we see God. We know God. We can be reconciled to God. So as you read this book, you will see God. You will see your true Savior, your true Deliverer. And John wants us to respond in faith. If you are a Christian and you say, I... I have been believing in Jesus for many years. It is easy to grow weary. It is easy to lose sight of how great of salvation we have received in and through Christ. But just think and meditate upon the darkness that would be otherwise if he had not come. And you will find your appreciation for him and his work renewed. And you should know 
as a Christian, you carry that light in yourself. That where you go, the knowledge of God goes. Therefore, where you go, the light of God goes. Jesus himself says that to us in Matthew chapter 5. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under, hides it. No, they, they put it up so it can lighten the whole room. You are that light. You carry the knowledge of God with you. And where you go, there are people looking for that light. Be unashamed of your faith. You don't have to share it in a forced, awkward, obnoxious way. Just be God's child and let that light shine through you. And people will see it and they will want it and they will ask you for it. If you're not a believer, let me encourage you today. The darkness is ever real today as it was when John wrote his gospel. You feel it. You have a problem that's bigger than just your emotional problems, your relational problems, your work problems, whatever, what have you. You have a much bigger problem. You have a problem that you are living in a state of sin and darkness, cut off from God. Read this gospel. See God in Jesus. See the light and confess faith in him. And I can promise you, based on my own experience and observing so many others, you have no idea the power of God for those who profess faith in him to bring light and life and joy and peace into their lives. It is like nothing you have ever experienced in your life. Let me encourage you. Let me pray for you as we close that you might see God and believe in him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you did not leave us in the dark, that you sent your son, the one true light, to save us. I pray that you would deliver those hearers today which have not believed in you, that you deliver them by calling them out of the darkness, by calling them to your son, Jesus Christ, by regenerating their hearts, by opening their eyes and bringing them to faith in Christ. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ like myself, we who sometimes get tempted by the darkness to go back, to revert to our foolish lives, to underestimate just how great a salvation we have received, to think, to meditate upon just how dark the darkness is so we can glory ever anew in the light that we have in and through Christ. And I pray that as we live our lives, we would do so rejoicing that we are lights that where we go, you go. And that as people interact with us and see us, that they will see you and that those who are searching will ask and they will find you. And I pray that that would be our testimony. Thank you for this hour, Lord God. I give it to you in Jesus' name, amen.